0: Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the Lions.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got some more NBA best bets here as we finally get this big slate in the NBA on Wednesday with 12 games after a couple of small ones in a row. Still did really well on those on these best bets, as well as the play of props, which we swept last night. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along and check each of those videos out each and every weekday also want you to head to the lines.com use everything that we're putting up on the site right now, including that odds finder tool we tell you about every morning, drop down that NBA menu uh, tab on the website and go ahead and use that op- odds finder tool. Make sure you're getting the best juice available to you from all these books that are giving us bets this NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your first best bet for tonight.
1: Yeah, I guess it's both of our first best bets here. Cause we, uh, See the Pelicans open uh, as a pick'em at at the Golden State Warriors, and and we're both on the Pels here. Um, I mean, no reason not to. It's a far superior team against the Warriors, who who have Draymond back now, but he's going to need a couple games to ramp up. CP3 is ruled out. Gary Payton II is still out, and Zion's questionable for the Pelicans. I I don't really mind him sitting in this matchup. Like he's just he's a negative defensively. At this point, uh, would love if Jose Alvarado is able to play through non-COVID illness and hound Steph Curry a little bit because really the only concern, I mean, the only reason that that we've seen the Pels lose three straight to this Warriors team is because Steph has just gone am- off just like um, incredible games. In his last five, he's averaging 36 a game against the Pels. The Pels, are, you know, he, he's able to exploit what they do defensively, which is like give up three-point attempts. Um, they, they give up assisted field goals and you know that's that's kind of why Golden State has had some success here but I, I just think this is a new day for the Pels. like obviously they're playing very well in their last six their only loss against a Clippers team that's actually hotter than them. the only team maybe in the west hotter than them right now but they're they're still allowing a league low 103 per game, number one field goal percentage, uh, number four three point percentage which is key here. number two fast break points allowed fifth and paint points allowed. And they do have a high turnover rate on the season, which you need to get the Warriors, um, you know, turning the ball over and and not clicking on offense, which there's are simply not. I mean, you're going to talk more about the chemistry, I'm sure, but they're particularly def- uh, vulnerable on the wing. Right. I mean, there's there's small forward with Andrew Wiggins, just MIA all season like they just don't have that wing stopper to deal with guys like like Ingram and Herb Jones and Trey Murphy that are going to be coming at you in waves here. Um, and that's why it d- doesn't necessarily matter if Zion's out. If he's in, great. Like he's still he's he's they're probably going to just outscore the Warriors. At this point, Warriors are three and eleven straight up as dogs, eight and sixteen on equal rest for what it's worth. But like recently, two and four on this homestand with a one twenty six defensive rating, and Steph has not been the world beater they need him to be. He has a one ten offensive rating, scoring twenty three a game during that stretch. So. I'll take the Pels here to stay hot. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I've got the same thing. I, I'm, I Honestly, I've had a hectic morning. I'll be completely honest with everyone. So it's tough for me to gauge what Nate had uh, after dealing with some stuff. But more importantly for this video, I'm just going to run right into what I'm saying. And what I'm saying does have a little bit more to do with fade the Warriors to, than it even does ride with the Pels. Although, look, the Pels... You know, if you take the up and down, if you sort of just take the mean of it all right and you don't worry about the fluctuations in them, they're they're an above average team in the league and they should be a top six seed in the West. With that said, the Zion stuff is, is very interesting. Like you said, they're worse on the floor with him defensively. The, the spacing you can make the argument is better without him, although he and B.I. have had a much better uh, two man lineups net rating this season. But this this one really comes down to teams finally started doubling Steph just get the ball out of his hands. It it, it wasn't an option for eight years, nine years, because if you put the ball, if you took the ball out of his hands at half court, then now you have Draymond Green with a four on three. One of the best dudes at running that with guys like Iggy or even Wiggins at times in the dunker spot and then shooters all over the floor, right? Like Rick Ross says, he's got shooters all over the gym, but now he doesn't have shooters all over the gym. Uh, He has slashers all over the gym and that's not really tailor made for his game. So he's been double teamed uh, if you look at the uh, there's some really good stuff on cleaning the glass as well as dunks and threes, you can look at uh, some of the double team stuff and he's been getting double teamed at a in uh, a, a rate of the 95th percentile. So very few players are getting double teamed more than Steph over the last 15 games and J- Draymond's missed 13. So whatever you want to do with that it's 13, 15 games pretty much same thing. And as a result of that. You know, even his on off stuff isn't even that good. The bench has actually brought them back in this homestand more so than even Steph has other than the two games where he went bananas uh, with points against the the Magic and one other squads, uh, the uh, the Wizards. So with, with that in mind, like, I don't know, I, I don't love th- having to bet on this Pellys team consistently, but this is a good spot where I think that the, the offense for the Pelis is really going to be the biggest problem. For this Warriors team, they've had to make the decision of late if they if they uh to put Looney and Trace Jackson Davis on the floor at the same time. That has not worked out. That two man lineup has a net rating of minus seven uh, over their last six games. So yeah, I, I just there's not much here, man. As soon as I saw this spread so low, I was like, all right, we still haven't caught up. We're still worried about the books. Now look, if you want to do like a little bit of a hedge to this bet, take Steph to get thirty. I think that's a, de- a decent hedge for this one because I don't think he's getting the rebounds or assists. Uh, with this long, de- rangy defense for the Pelicans, we've seen that be the, the struggle for him in terms of getting rebounds and assists. Not the struggle when it comes to scoring because you can't really stop someone from shooting from 30 feet away. They're they're going to be open from 30 feet no matter what you do. So Steph is, if, is a guy if he's going to go 5 of 11 from 3, 7 of 14 from 3, something like that, which is all in the realm of possibility because we've seen him do it against the Pels a lot then I don't want, I don't really want to like have to touch that. But I think if like I said, a little bit of a hedge against like, maybe the war, maybe Steph just drags this, this team to a victory and the Pelicans play like absolute dog crap. Then I think Steph, Steph to get 30 is a decent hedge to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Pelicans aren't the most consistent team before this six game stretch. So, I mean, there is, it's not like a huge fire, one and a half units on this just because we're yeah. agreeing, but like, yeah, I, I mean, Draymond coming back, is is not a necessarily an emotional lift, right? It's an emotional complication. Like, that, he's not he's back, and we don't know, like, how exactly the locker room is reacting to that. We do know CP3 being out is really going to hurt that second unit, put even more on Steph, and I, I don't think, you know, even if he has a 30-point game, that he can just outgun this Pelicans team on his own. Right. Uh, so Kings at Hornets, I'll go under 231.5. I mean, I, I like the Kings to win for sure here. It's a revenge spot for them after they... We're the only team to lose to the Hornets in the last 13 for Charlotte in, in bizarre fashion with the Hornets on a back to back here. But uh, I'm going to fade the Hornets offense. First and foremost, you could also consider just their team total under 111. Kings are on a back to back here. I don't think they're going to score a ton. Um, you know, they have been scoring a ton on, on back to backs and, and giving up a ton or I'm um, sorry, just giving up a ton. They begin smoked on back to backs because they played the Clippers twice Wolves, Magic, who they actually competitive with, and, and the Pelicans, who just own them. Um, so they, I mean, they're they're just scoring 109 on those back to backs. Um, but in general, like their defense is much better on the road. Offense less potent. We saw this all the way last year. Lately, their defense is up to third in defensive rating in their last five road games. Very impressive. And this Hornets offense is just is just crap. Like I mean, it, 102 points per game. Without Gordon Hayward, which is to say without Gordon and LaMelo Ball, who are both, of course, still out tonight. Terry Rozier has been playing out of his mind lately, including a big game against the Kings. Um, 32.5 points per game on a 141 offensive rating. It's just not going to continue. Like, Darren Fox is going to take it on himself to not let this dude outscore him. I mean, which he did in, in that loss at home where surprisingly Fox had to bring it. Um, so I, I mean, I would look at fading him maybe 26 and a half points, but he's just shooting the ball so many damn times, but the, yeah, in general, this is an under spot. I mean, Hornets in that 13 game span where they're scoring just one, oh, one 4.6 per hundred possessions. That's worse than the league by far. Nine of those games have gone under third, slowest pace. Their pre their last home game before they, they played this w- weird one against the bulls. Where they got they got murdered by the the Bulls' new Twin Towers look. Um, they it was one hundred two ninety five to Denver, which by the way was on a back to back. So I mean they've played sack pretty tough, one thirteen defensive rating their last four against them, um, and, and held them to forty three percent shooting last time in Sacramento. So one way or another, I think this will be an ugly, uh, choppy game.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I I wouldn't touch Sacramento with as I like to say with your money right right now. That, even after they did come back. And of the Pistons after being down by 18 to the Pistons. They came back and won by 21 points, something around there. It was like a 45-point swing. I don't trust them to do anything right now when they play bad teams, the Kings. They are, they are playing down to their competition. De'Aaron Fox looks disinterested. Demonta Sabonis was taking fadeaway 20 footers like what <laughs> I was in that Pistons game like could you could you be any more obvious that you're not taking this seriously so until they start taking anything seriously against p- poor teams really then I, I don't really have much to, to say about the the Kings that's positive and I don't really think De'Aaron Fox uh is necessarily like like to just take over all the time at this point. Like he's definitely shooting a lot, Um, but his shooting splits are definitely down from last season. I don't know if it's because he's not getting to the basket more. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit fewer shots inside of five feet for him. But, uh, yeah, there's some stuff with the Kings team. I don't know why Malik Monk doesn't play more. They need a shooting guard. They have a really good one, and yet they don't play him, like, more than 27 minutes. So I don't really understand what's going on with with that team right now. And and the the Hornets freaking have their number, man. This is one of those weird ones where the Hornets come in, and it's just that weird teal on purple, and and you like the teal. But let's go ahead and finish things out here with uh, more of a lean than anything because I don't have Obi's numbers up yet. But Obi Toppin is going to get... I think, it, well, at least 10 points. That's where I'm putting him at. I've, I'm projecting that it's at around nine and a half, ten and a half. So I wrote, I would take over 10 and a half because that is a little bit higher than nine and a half. And I do think you can parlay that with the, the victory for the Pacers, which you're getting some decent juice for them to beat the Wizards. Um, because if Tyrese Halliburton was in, this would be a 13 and a half point spread and it's down to seven and a half. And quite frankly, I love Tyrese Halliburton, but the way that this team plays and against a team like Washington who can't defend the, the transition, I don't really think you really need him that bad. I don't think he's worth seven points in this game. I I think they still uh, are capable of blowing this team out. So I'll just, like I said, because it's seven and a half, I think it's about minus three eighty on the money line for them. So I'm happy to take the money line and add it to OB's prop whenever you do find it and get it out there. But this is something I'll, I'll talk about as well with Bruce Brown. It's like, who gets out in transition versus the, the wizards. And if it's, if who, not only that, who is your most athletic power forward, uh, who's, who's versatile and can also hit some corner threes. And that would be, uh, that would be Obi top in a hundred percent. That's where Washington is most vulnerable for sure. I mean, down low, obviously very vulnerable, the might try, might see Daniel Gaffer trying to jump with OB. So maybe we got some poster opportunities. Not sure if that's a bet on prize picks, but uh, I would find that one and see if I can get it. Uh, Cause I do think he, the transition points will be there for OB, the points in the paint, three games that he's played without Halliburton. One of those games is really useless because they got blown out by the, in the first quarter by the, the Celtics in Boston. If you remember that game where I think they lost by like 40 something points, right? Yeah. Uh, that was a Halliburton list game for the Pacers, but Obi still had 17 in that game. Um, he also had another game there without him uh, against. I already lost it. My bad. But the, the wizard, the, the Timberwolves, was another good game for him as well. Which was uh, sorry. The Timberwolves was the only bad game for Obi because that that's what they do is they stop power forwards. But the other two games going well well over the ten and a half. And I do think there's an opportunity for like a baby ladder to 15 points for Obi if if you do see uh, that that prop come out around nine and a half, ten and a half. Probably looking at like plus two twenty ish, two ten on on your money for a fifteen plus bet for him if he does come out around nine and a half, ten and a half points. So the way, like I said, this is just a tailor made uh, matchup for a guy like Obi who has his game. And yeah, it is actually interesting that without Halliburton. Not that much slows down like this. I mean, maybe there's slightly fewer assists for this team, but Bruce Brown, him, Nembhard, even Neesmith, everybody just getting it and going. That's going to be the M.O. Going to see a lot of points from the Pacers if you want to throw their team total in there. I'm not scared of it down. a, It's, it's probably actually up now. The total keeps rising to like 253 at this point. So might stay away from that stuff. But OB and the win is, is where I'm at with this one.
1: Yeah, I mean the ball kind of moves around more without Halliburton. He's the one facilitating, getting all those double-digit assists, and now you know Toppen has to play make a little bit more, finish more possessions because he's not just like you know wait in the corner and see if if you if your your job is to dive when Halliburton penetrates. Like he's he's much more involved part of the offense and did have sixteen against the Wiz. Uh, the Pacers actually lost to the Wiz, right? That was the start of their IST yeah. hangover. So a little bit of a revenge spot for them to come back and, and win this time um, and spread it around a little bit more without Halliburton. And also look at Aaron Nesmith, I think, 12 and a half points. We, did, we have seen that prop come out um, because him yeah him and Nemhart are going to see a lot more usage, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely looking at Nemhart stuff. If, if he comes out like six and a half assists or something that low, I'm, I'm probably
0: pouncing on that. But yeah, he'll be more of the traditional point guard. Bruce Brown is like the fast break point guard. It's kind of like having two different quarterbacks when you have a running play and, and a passing play. And he's more of the running play quarterback that's just going to go down uh, and just keep the ball moving in pace. So Nate, let's keep the heat of going here and jump right into your first play up, up for tonight.
1: Yeah, it's a little scary. Bam under 22 and a half points because I do think he probably scores around 20. But like so consistent is Bam Adebayo and so consistently under 22 and a half points is what we've seen uh in 12 of his last 14 home games he's he's gone under this number averaging about 21 a game versus about 23 on the road the exceptions the embedded sixers the, on christmas he did go over there and and the, a high scoring game against the bucks where he'd only played a seven man rotation and he had a huge usage rate lately they've been going deeper um i mean they have tyler hero back which helps which moves duncan robinson to the bench and and other guys back off the bench, they, they're they averaging like 43 bench points per game in their last four here. Um, and, and Hero is the key for me because it's like Bam is happy to play facilitator, right? If, if he feels like his matchup individually is not as easy to score, he will run the offense from the elbow. He might get a bunch of assists tonight. And if Hero's feeling it, which he has been lately, like Hero's going to get the usage. So last four home games for Hero – 31% usage, 26 points per game. With Hero versus without him last season, Bam had a, a 25% usage with him uh, versus 27.5% without him. Uh, so that's a much bigger sample size to go off here. And then, yeah, the matchup I'm talking about, people try Chet all the time. We talk about he, he sees a lot of field goal attempts against him, not necessarily with the most success. I mean, OKC allowing the fifth... Fewest points to centers, but fifth most assist to centers in the last 15 games. They allow the second fewest paint points overall, but allow the third highest assist to field goal ratio. So all indicates that like you can facilitate their defense overall has not been great lately. Uh, but I, I think Bam is like savvy enough to be like, I'm not going to like just go right at this young dude just to, like prove something uh, because he's a good shot blocker. And like I, I can score other ways. I can get my team going other ways than to just force it. I I like the
0: find for sure. I was actually thinking about, um, you know, going, going a slightly the opposite route and fading Chet. Chet ain't scared of nobody. Um, It doesn't matter who he's going up against. You got to mention that. So I I was a little bit low to go under, I believe it's 25 and a half points and rebounds for Chet. I'm like, damn, I don't know if I can do it even with bam. Like it's definitely the type of player that would shut down Chet, but um, well, Bam's the type of player that would shut down any center, uh, and I don't even really know if you want to say he shut down Alpi And He did cover the, uh, keep him under the points, the points, rebounds, and assists though. Alpi still got his. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit scared of Chet, but I'm I'm very interested in your your Bam under because I like the idea of the way that the Thunder are limiting centers doing other stuff, but they're not letting them score points specifically. And Bam is as much of a point center as you're going to find uh, in the league, especially with Jimmy Butler out. So uh, let's go ahead and get back into that Pacers and Wizards game. And talk about Bruce Brown, because I mentioned Obi getting his and the other one. And there's some similar reasoning here, but I'm going to do some some laddering here. I, I bet this last night and it has gone up a point and I still like it. So you've lost some juice on the ladder, but it's 12 and a half now for for Bruce. And that might be 13 before all is said and done, because it has gone from 11 and a half to 12 and a half juiced down minus 25, 125 to the over on his 12 and a half now. So that's why I'm saying like, yeah, you, you, it, it could continue rising. But I still like it because I like the 15 plus for him. That's that got me one plus one eighty five will get you plus one sixty five now. And the 18 plus points is plus three eighty, which I got at plus plus four twenty five just to brag. But more importantly, the the unit measurement there, right, like half a unit on the second ladder and point two units on the third. I mean look, I'm I'm actually happy that he got they got blown out by Boston when Halliburton wasn't playing because Halliburton's only missed three games this season. And in two of those games that were not the blowout loss to Boston, we're talking about seventeen points for Bruce and thirty points for Bruce in those two matchups without him. And and both of those games were under thirty minutes for Bruce, where he was getting those points. So he's looking at seventeen points a game, uh in those in those three without Halley. Uh one of them, like I said, the blowout loss. The the twenty six games with Halley, eleven points per game. So it's pretty pretty on point right and like even 11 and a half was ridiculous without halliburton in there considering that's kind of what he gets anyway um and then you you look at washington this is going to be uh, who plays in transition bruce brown plays the third most of any player on the team in transition but he's the number one guard getting out to transition the most right and he's more of he might be less of a guard because you can put him on the, at times when you put him on the floor with them and tyrese but when you take tyrese off the floor Bruce Brown is 100% a part of your backcourt. And as much as he's a Swiss Army knife that can play all over the floor, because he's getting out in transition as the main ball handler consistently in transition, I'm going to stick with his points that he's going to finish around the rim and and finish some open threes in transition as well. Uh, Rather than really even worry about the assists, he hasn't really seemed to just take on the facilitator role. If anything, Nemhard. When his stats come out, we'll be a bit more of the passer and the guy who, when it's a half-court offense, is dribbling and trying to set stuff up the way that Halliburton does when the Pacers get into the half-court. So Nemby for the... the uh, Can we call him Nemby? I'm going with Nemby. Nemby for the uh for the assist is the play there. For Bruce, I just straight like the points.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering how to target the Pacers without Halliburton. I feel like we don't have a sample size because, yeah, it's just been couple blowout losses, like you said, and then also some, some weird results with the Wizards their last two meetings. But I think you can count on this not being a blowout loss at, at the very least for the Pacers. Like no way they're just going to they're going to get trucked by a Wizards team that has four wins all season and, and just caught them after the IST. So they should be competitive. Brown, um, you know, taking on kind of that leadership role after coming off of his championship and, and, and probably taking on an increased scoring load for sure. Like you said. Uh, speaking of the champs, uh, we'll go Aaron Gordon here. Nuggets are at Utah. High scoring projected game, 237. I'll take Gordon, 20 and a half points in rebounds against the Jazz here. Uh, I mean, basically coming off extra rest because he only played 20 minutes in a blowout win over the Pistons Sunday. Jokic Murray also got some extra rest here. And on two days rest. This season, Gordon is averaging 18 points and 8 rebounds a game with 20% usage. Definitely spikes here. His previous two, after coming back from the hand injury before that blowout, he's getting he got 23 points, 8.5 rebounds per game in some pretty favorable matchups. Utah has been a pretty good matchup for him. I mean, eight full games with the Jazz since joining the Nuggets. He's averaged 23 points slash rebounds, um, including, you know, Seven uh, Earlier this season, he had a 23.5% usage rate and a 10% offensive rebound rate. So, you know, you look for Gordon when he's able to kind of use that physical advantage, uh, just being stronger than the opposite four. I think he is bigger and stronger than Markinen If they go that route, I mean, might be some cross-matching with John Collins, depending how Will Hardy wants to match up against Jokic, but we've also seen Jokic facilitate more uh against Utah, thirty five assists in his last three with a pretty low usage rate. And Gordon's often gonna be on the uh dunking end of those assists. Utah allows the third most points to power forwards on the season, fifth most rebounds to the position in the last fifteen games. So I'll take Gordon to, to keep uh keep coming back strong here. Yeah. Yeah, there there probably is a mental side to this with him
0: uh, of wanting to like keep it going and prove that he you know he's he's still fine. It seemed that way in the first couple of games back uh, from the incident, so I I think I, I continue to ride with with Aaron Gordon, and as long as they've got someone in there that Gordon needs to stay near the rim for, then it's 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 a good Aaron Gordon game, right? When you when you've got guys that can pull him away because the power forward is more of a stretch and doesn't really bang down low, and there's there's no one for him to bang with, right? And it's almost like he's just like a, a soldier without a war to fight when there's nobody down there that can really hang with his muscle because then he starts drifting away from the rim a bit more. But in this one, even if Walker Kessler's not out there, you've still got Markinen, you've still got John Collins, uh, and you're going to get them uh, in a good... In, that's good matchups for Aaron Gordon to have to stay on the floor. So I, I like the, the Aaron Gordon pick in this particular game. I'm going to finish up with that uh, Warriors game that we spoke about, both liking the, the Pellies to win in the Best Bets video, Here I'm going under for Steph and you can still get ten and a half on his rebounds and assists. Um, There's some nine and a half out there as well. Obviously better juice on the nine and a half, but I really like the ten and a half because that is something he really, really doesn't do much, even more so than the ten, the nine and a half. Uh, that's still, I can get minus 124 on DraftKings for him to go under ten and a half. I think that might rise because it opened at nine and a half. So you might even keep getting better juice on it, but go ahead and feel free to hit it now. New Orleans is limiting uh, point, uh, point guards in a lot of ways, mostly points, to be honest with you, but I, this is just a different type of matchup. Like the magic are also limiting point guards when it comes to points that didn't stop step from scoring because there's like, we've talked about, there's no defense for 35 foot three point shots. Uh, there is defense for a shorter guard who doesn't have much uh, room to work with in the lanes, not getting in there to get rebounds. Uh, so the rebounds are awesome. They just keep dropping. It's three and a half. And I can't, reasonably take under three and a half by itself it, it, the, the if like a ball just bounces weirdly to Steph we were talking about four boards and whatever right so I, I didn't really want to mess with just that but I, I do like adding them both together because I do think there's a correlation to him not really being in the spots on the floor for the rebounds I also think the assists are going to be very hard to come by in a long rangey defense that knows that you just need to take the ball out of Steph's hands I took over Steph assists in the Raptors game and the Raptors and the pellies are very similar defenses in how they limit assists how they limit things, uh, you know, they, they, they play decent pressure defense, but once you get into the lane, it's really just all about long arms and people being able to, like, collapse on you. And when he gets there, there's not quite the same shooters. There's just none. They're, they're, they're not there for him anymore for those assists to be there. He had eight potential assists versus the Raptors and ended with six. That's an anomaly, right? You don't expect the potential assists to be at around, like, an 80% clip that he's going to go ahead and, and, and hit them. So uh, in this one, like, the last 15 games is really what I'm looking at here for him, and that's... I, Draymond being back doesn't really do much for me just yet. We'll have to see how that works. Chris Paul going out was actually harmful for sure, because there was less opportunity for Steph to play off the ball. You didn't have, uh, there's one less player that you really need to worry about his playmaking for the defenses taken on the warriors right now. Uh, and that's why with Steph, like the the rebound chances, the, the assists as well, the eight potential assists per game that he's averaging in the last 15. He's got five assists a game in that time frame, right? So we're looking at about eight and a half total in the last fifteen without Draymond and now a couple without Chris Paul. Uh and yeah, I just think you're gonna keep seeing like barely any rebound chances for the dude. I think his MO tonight is score, score, score. And he might get the ball forced out of his hands a few times, but I don't think he's gonna be in situations to set up his guys with clean looks.
1: Yeah, I mean you mentioned that that tracking that he's been doubled at at like a ninety fifth percentile rate lately. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to get an assist if you're getting doubled that far from the basket, Steph. Like, it's going to be the the, the secondary assist, if anything. Um, Also, a potential blowout factor here if the Pelicans do take care of business because they are the superior team. The Warriors are shorthanded. Without Chris Paul in the second unit there, Look, I mean, you've hit these rebound assist unders twice in a row and I've thrown some some question marks at it saying, "I don't know, maybe I would just take the assist, but you needed to take both." Um so I will I I'll follow you on this one and say let's let's take under rebounds and assists. You you like the rebounds more? I don't know what I like with, with Steph. I'm just saying the last two with Chris Middleton with Scotty Barnes, I said, I don't know, they might get the yeah, rebounds. Yeah. And that you're you're, your, you know, follow Josh Rebound Chances Lander when yep. you know when he sees those advanced stats.
0: Josh Rebound
1: Chances, comma, potential assists,
0: comma, JL Boogie Lander. Patent pending on that name there. Appreciate everybody following along. That is all the time that we have for you guys in this one. Uh, we also have best bets up for you as well, each and every weekday. So check that one out. And until we see you next, happy
1: betting. Just going up, go, go,